Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome into an all-new edition of the Blackhawks Talk podcast. I'm Slavko Bekovic. I'll be joined by Charlie Romeliotis and Scott King. The Blackhawks are back in town and they're six points out. What are the chances that they go on some sort of improbable run here in March? Who has the most to play for in the last five weeks of the season? What are Dominic Kubalik's chances of winning the Calder Trophy as Rookie of the Year? If he hits 40, don't you think he's got to get some votes? And on top of that, the Blackhawks can finally rest now that the trade deadline is in the rearview mirror. Will that take some of the edge off? And will that help them down the stretch here as they try to make the playoffs for the first time in the last three seasons? All that and more coming up on the Blackhawks Talk Podcast. Well, here we are. It's early March. The Blackhawks finally return home and the opposite of February where they were on the road seemingly all month. They're going to be home most of this month in March, I believe 11 of 15 games at the United Center. All of a sudden, a couple nice wins in the in the state of Florida and you know, now things maybe seem to be looking up again for the Blackhawks. Charlie, you were down in Florida for the uh, shootout win over Joel Quenville's Florida Panthers, a team on its own kind of fighting for its own playoff lives. Uh, what was uh, what was your reaction? And uh, we heard that the song came back after another win outside the Hawks dressing room. Yeah, it did. ACDC, uh, it's a long way to the top. And it really is a long way to the top because I know they won the, these last two games in Tampa and Florida, but... Um, you know, we're recording this after practice on what, what day is today? Monday, October. It, it, it's all blending in together. It's all blending in for me right now. But you got it. This, you got it. Recording this after uh, practice on Monday, and I think I saw their their playoff percentage is ten percent. So the that's guys, up from three point three percent. It is. The guys are like I wouldn't say. I mean, they're staying optimistic that they can still go on a run, but it's not like. You know, we have a lot of hockey level. We could still do this. It's kind of just like, well, what else are they going to say? Like, are we, yeah, you know, we're just going to mail it in. Like, they're not going to say any of that. So they they aren't going, going to wave the white flag until they are completely mathematically out of it. But, yeah, things are obviously looking bleak. And you kind of, you know, I think the fan base has embraced that too. Like, you know, even if the Hawks win three, four, five in a row here, it's not I don't know like. if embrace is the right word, maybe just accept it. Yeah, they've yeah. accepted it. There you go. That's, that's the right word. Right, how you accept you're no longer in college, versus. Uh, <laughs> but no, I I think that like if you go back to like last year, maybe even the year before, around this time, I don't remember things being so upbeat. I think part of it is just talking to guys today, and Charlie was on some of the road trip that um, you've got a whole month and a lot of hockey at, at home on home ice, and guys with families appreciate that. And I think yeah, are they a long way from the top to quote the song again? Yeah, but you look at the things that are working. A lot of those components, you know, a rookie who's playing out of his mind in Kubalik, Jonathan Taves is, is offense. Like you know, he's always oh the two you know everything's not clicking, but he's a great two way player, wins a lot of faceoffs, and another great offensive season after career year last year. You look what he did becoming a uh, 
first guy to 50 shootout goals, and I asked Patrick Kane about that today, and um, really some some great offensive skill. You're getting great starts out of Corey Crawford after even before Leonard got traded. So I think a lot of things that are working are things that can really help you put a nice streak together. I know mathematically and looking at the standings and how many games and everything, it is going to be very hard because the team's in front of you that you have to leapfrog. They're not going to lose a bunch. So, But, but they got some interesting things that are kind of maybe helping them out a little right now. Their next six games are um, against favorable opponents for the most part. You have St. Louis in there, but the last two times they've played the Blues, they've played them really tough. They had a 3 nothing lead back in mid-December that they uh, they blew in that third period that kind of sent them into a bit of a tailspin, and that was one of the tougher losses they, they've had this season. And then obviously last week, that crazy 6-5 back-and-forth game. Um, since the trade deadline, Corey Crawford has obviously taken over as the number one goaltender, and he's been tremendous. And really, outside of a, the occasional start this year, he's been really consistent and really good. Do you think that for Crawford and for this team in general that the trade deadline being in the rearview mirror is a good thing? Like They can finally put that all to bed. We know who's here. We know who's here down the stretch. Let's just go out and play some hockey. Yeah, I, I think that... You know, we said it even before the trade deadline how maybe guys are going to play a little bit looser knowing that they're not looking over their shoulder. You know, we talked to Brandon Saad and, you know, right before the the trade deadline, he was he knew that his name was out there on the rumor mill and he said he hopes he's not traded. And obviously he's paying attention and things like that. So a lot of guys more so than last year were kind of paying attention to, you know, maybe keeping their phone close by because they might get a call from their agent very soon or, or whatever as whereas they didn't have to really go through that last year because they were making some sort of a run and there weren't really a lot of rentals that could be on the move so we are seeing it now that guys are um, playing a little bit but looser but I don't know if necessarily Crawford is playing better specifically because of the trade deadline is his past and and maybe the, the stress I think he's just always said I feel more comfortable when I'm getting consecutive starts because it's the little details. It's, you know, and we've seen him now five straight. He started and he's been unbelievable. I think he's got a 939 save percentage in his last five starts and above a a four goals saved above average. So he's essentially saving his team one goal (laughs) a game. Like he's been incredible over this last stretch here. Yeah, I think when he really started to look good, the last time he stole the net from Leonard was a few weeks before you know the trade deadline. So I think he knew what was at stake. And uh, today, Monday, for people listening later at uh, Fifth Third Arena after practice, I thought he was one of the mo- maybe more or most upbeat guys. You know, talking a lot about being home with his family, and he was asked about the Leonard situation before the deadline, and just that yeah, it was difficult because two number one guys they they always want to play. So he knows he's out of that situation now, and not only does he know he's kind of played well up to now, especially lately, but he knows. He has a huge opportunity to, you know, improve uh, or not improve, but impress Chicago with how he can still play for the future. Well, the crazy thing is that you know his teammates—they've always gone to bat for Corey Crawford. And Kane said it this morning. He said, you know, this is an elite, elite goaltender, and he's been that way for quite some time, whether he gets the credit he deserves or not. Uh, obviously, there's huge question marks with his contract status, being a UFA this summer. Um, I think we all agree in this room that they're going to try to make every effort to keep him, at least for you know a short-term contract. That would be, I think, ideal for the Blackhawks before they can you know, figure out who their goalie of the future is going to be. But uh, can they ride? I guess the narrative all season was the, the tandem between Crawford and Leonard. How are they going to balance it? Now there is no balance. It's Corey Crawford's net, period. What kind of run 
would he have to go on? And this is just a hypothetical because I think everybody in this room agrees they're probably not going to make the playoffs. That mathematically they're still in it, but they've got a long way to go. Could they ride Corey Crawford to some sort of incredible, even improbable run just to get back into the thick of things, really, rather than actually get a playoff spot, just to really be close even? I I think more so they want to ride him throughout the rest of the season because they want to know if they can rely on him as the full-time starter next year. Like, they don't... We talked to Stan Bowman in St. Louis. He, he spoke to the traveling media, so it wasn't really available on conference calls. So whether fans were trying to look at this online, Stan Bowman basically said, we don't have a proven goaltender signed for next year, obviously. They have five goaltenders signed. Um, Colin Daly is the only one under contract. Uh, I believe Matt Tompkins is it too, but RFAs, you know, Kevin Lincoln in. Uh, so they don't really have a, a guy that they can depend on. So I think the final... 17 games here. They only have three back-to-backs, so I would expect Malcolm Subban to probably get those three back-to-backs. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Corey Crawford get the rest because they really do need to figure out whether they can rely on him for a full season and beyond, and also health concerns too. I'm sure that is going to play a role. And you know, I know we talk about his concussion history, and you know, I feel like I don't want to say it gets overblown, but Drake Kajula is a guy that also has concussion history, and he came back after a lengthy absence and he's playing fine and I think he even got into a fight one of the games uh, after his concussion so I don't know if that's that's the real concern for me I think it's the fact that he's 35 years old and can you depend on him to start 55 games a year like he is accustomed to yeah I want think I think they want to keep their chances you know open as as long as they can to make the playoffs and you do that with starting Corey Crawford like Charlie said they want to see what they have in him still for the future and I think also he's just Corey Crawford he's a competitor he's a guy who keeps to himself but he wants to play every game and that's something Carlton was just asked about I think last week um, was the situation and, and handling two goalies that are number one and want to play all the time and Carlton said yeah both guys were in his ear always asking for starts and now it's just Crawford I mean I think he's going to make sure that he's getting as many as possible you almost feel bad for Malcolm Subban like you know he, he, he comes over as part of this trade and obviously he's got you know a lot to play for himself being an RFA you know his first 65 games in his NHL career haven't been great not what I think he expected or what you know the teams that he's been a part of has expected but you know he's sitting there waiting for that first start waiting to hear the anthem and waiting to take the ice as a member of the Blackhawks and you might have to wait quite some time. I think he knows what he walked into, though. Yeah. Right? I mean, he knows who Corey Crawford is and the Blackhawks, and yeah, he'll he'll get it at some point. Yeah, and he's in. You know, he also had a stretch though in Vegas where he had an opportunity to run with the net when Mark Andre Fleury was out and dealing, unfortunately, with the passing of his father, and and so there was an opportunity there for Malcolm Subban to really show what he can be at the NHL level as a potential starting goaltender. Um, but now that he's in Chicago, I'm sure he's aware of the situation where Corey Crawford is going to get the bulk of the starts and it's a good it's still a really good opportunity for him because he's basically going from a three-time Stanley Cup champion and Marc-Andre Fleury to a two-time Stanley Cup champion and Corey Crawford guys that he can learn from so this is a it's it's an unfortunate situation for him that he's not going to get a bulk of the starts but it's also a very good opportunity for him to pick another guy's brain who's been an elite goaltender in this league for a very long time. So the next six games, at home versus the Ducks, at home versus Edmonton, on the road in Detroit, back home versus the Blues, and then back-to-back home games against the Sharks 
and the Senators. Now then they have the Capitals on the road after that, back-to-back uh, between the Sens and the Capitals. But there's a lot of winnable games in the upcoming schedule. Yeah, uh, the other teams are looking at that, though, too, uh, from the Blackhawks' sake. That's true, right? yeah. I mean, and, you know, they're looking at the Blackhawks going, okay, that's a winnable game, right? But they also have Buffalo, they have Montreal, they have L.A. this month. Um, again, I'm not saying it's probable, but the schedule... I just hate to get sucked into this over and over. You know, like you look at the road trip and you're like, all right, this is make or break. Well, now maybe these next six games are make or break. But the perception of a week ago they were eight points out and the season was over. Now they win two games. They're still six points out. But now, you know, at least from what the players say, it's like, okay, you know, we're kind of back in this. Yeah, and even when you see them win a couple games, like at any point in the season, you look at these models and, you know, oh, 3% chance, 2% chance. But like you win a couple games, like it changes, it goes up to like 30%. or It changes dramatically. The so. Flames had a, a day, or sorry, the Coyotes had a day off the other day where they were like 23% or something, and it went down to like 19%. They didn't even play, and their chances <laughs> got dropped 4% of making the playoffs. Right, right. And that's a team that's been struggling themselves. I think unlikely, but things change very quickly in this league with the way the standings are. Yeah, and we get sucked in when they go on, you know, a three, four game winning streak because then it's like, okay, they're getting good goaltending, they're getting scoring, the power play is clicking, the penalty kill has been really good. Like, then you start to, I don't want to say you're convincing yourself that a playoff run is possible, but then you start to think, okay, they're feeling good about themselves and they have a favorable schedule coming up. And I don't think there's, by any stretch, there's an expectation that they are going to go on a run, but. Like I said earlier, until they are mathematically out of it is when teams are really going to, or, you know, internally they're going to be like, okay, you know, now we're out of it. Now, you know, we just have to play for pride at this point. Imagine if they were in the Eastern Conference. They would be obviously much further out. What does that say about the West right now, that there's so many teams on the cusp? I still think, I guess if I had to lay money on the line, I would say Nashville probably would be one of the wild card teams. That's kind of the only one that I feel confident about. They've played better since John Hines took over, and they have, I think, one or two games in hand on most teams. That's something that the Blackhawks had in their favor at one point. You know, they were you know X amount of points out, four points out, but they had two or three games in hand. They don't have that anymore. So it's even tougher mountain to climb now for the team that's six points out but has to do it in, in less games than every other team has. Yeah, I, I think Nashville's for sure going to get into. I think Calgary is the team that might fall out. It, I would probably put money on Calgary falling out. I know they got more games played, but they're just such an inconsistent team. And I could see a team like Arizona getting in there. And it, I know they haven't been playing great. And they also have 67 games played, so they're, they, they don't have many games in hand. But back to your original question, I don't know if it's an indictment of the Western Conference being um, lesser than... Yeah, Tony Gill is trash. Tony, Tony <laughs> chimes in with the word trash. Tony, Tony's first business. comments on this Blackhawks podcast. <laughs> but the, you look at the Eastern Conference. Even last year, I remember Not the Blackhawks were making were making a run in the Western Conference, and that playoff cutoff line really looked like it was going to be down. And it's like, okay, well, is this a really good Eastern Conference, or is a really bad Western Conference, or you know, maybe it's somewhere in between. So, um, but this is the this is the NHL these days. The salary cap. Uh, the the parity is, as you know, especially this season. Knowing what we saw in the playoffs last year yeah. about Columbus dethroning Tampa, not just dethroning, sweeping Tampa in a histo- historically good year for for the Lightning, and even Calgary was the number one seed. They fell. So now, teams really do believe just get in, and they might not think, okay, we can go on a Stanley Cup run, but th- Columbus has made it possible now that, hey, no one is invincible anymore especially 
um, you know, when, when you look at what happened last year. And Columbus also showed you we can do at the trade deadline last year, right? Loading up, to, you know, just get in. But Kind of surprised also, no one really went for it this year like Columbus did. Although they got guys who were all going to be um, free agents where Carolina kind of went for it with guys yeah. with term. Yeah, I think you saw guys like Edmonton and, and Vegas just add what they needed and, and they can make some dangerous runs. Um, for Wild Card in the West, I, you know, I don't know if Vancouver is going to be able to hang in there. I, I like Nashville. Yeah, they will. Yeah, they will. You think so? Yeah. You think so? Uh, I like. I think I like, pretty legit too. I, I kind of see the Jets getting back in there. I like. I like uh, Nashville, but yeah, again with the parity and, and you know St. Louis obviously <laughs> being where they were last so year good. and then uh, so good. and then ended up winning it. Like shows you like yeah you get the you get the right coach you get the right mix and and guys getting hot you can you can win the cup after being in last. Um, that it's interesting the East being. The better conference, not like when did that like when was the clear cut? Yeah, when was the shift? Two years ago, the, maybe? the power shift. I don't know because it was always yeah. the West was so much better yeah. for all those years, all the, all the Hawks Cup years especially. Um, I, I guess with five weeks left in the season, the the storylines for the Blackhawks are obviously can they make some sort of playoff run? Um, but the guys that have the most to play for, guys like Dylan Strom, Dominic Kubalik. Kubalik's had an incredible season, but now. Maybe the Blackhawks need to plan to pay him a little bit more than they thought they might have to because of his breakout rookie year. Whereas Dylan Strome, um, and Charlie, you'll have a story on NBC Sports Chicago and on the My Teams app about Strome's increase and, I guess, uh, uptick in his faceoff percentage. And that's helped, especially when you're playing on a line with Patrick Kane. Yeah, substantially. And it's important, too, because if you're Dylan Strome's agent, you're negotiating as a center because you get more money as a center, you're more valuable as a center. And now the fact that Dylan Strome is playing back on the second line with a guy like Patrick Kane and he's getting second power play time, that's important because he was he was moved to the wing and he wasn't just moved to the wing on the top six, he was moved to the wing on the third line. And so it was a tough it with was a, a tough 19 year old there. center. Yeah, tough stretch there for Dylan Strome for a while now and, and now he's playing on that second line as a center and he's winning over his last six games 55% of his faceoffs, and I think his career average is somewhere around 47 so it's a, a, a significant improvement in that area and you hope he continues that because that's certainly going to solidify his um, I guess negotiating power for, for his sake. Yeah and speaking of Strom and, and guys that you know uh, have something to play for now whether they make the playoffs or not I'm thinking Alex Dabrinkit you know needs to kind of finish the season strong after he's had a rough one you know he's I don't want to say falling off the face of the earth as as a as a guy who you know, is thought of as a scorer and a, and a valuable offensive weapon for the Hawks but I think he is and I think that's in him and he needs to find it again you know before he's just oh yeah you know we got Alex Brinkin on the third line he's a be he's a, he's a top two line guy he has a lot of talent and you know, whether it's on the power play or, or five on five, he just needs to find a way to score and get open like he used to. I, I think a lot of it, first half of the season was puck luck, just watching him. Like, so many pucks I felt like were bouncing over his stick, but now it's just it's finding a way. Because the, you know, I'm sure if you, you talk to anybody, especially in that room, that the talent's there. He's he's really talented guy. I, I just think I'd like to see things go the right, right way for him. And, um, you know, like we talked about Crawford already, I, I think maybe there's no one bigger that needs to play for a great finish to the season with a new contract coming up. You know, it's funny because these are guys that we consider uh, established NHL S- quality players. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Dubrinkit obviously not going anywhere. His contract kicks in next year uh, with, I think, just a tick over $6 million. And I wonder how much that has played into him 
struggling to score this year. You I think don't he'd be know. more relaxed and yeah, we you know, that business. was kind of the storyline at the beginning of the year. He signs his extension, and then it's like okay, you know, he doesn't even have to worry about that anymore. His future is is set in stone, at least the near future. Go out there and score forty again, and I think we all kind of expected to him him to have that kind of season, and it just hasn't worked out. Yeah, but this is also the first real. Like, Dabrinkit has played with a chip on his shoulder his entire hockey career. And now it's like he finally got this big reward with a contract. Now there are expectations with it, right? right? So right. I don't want to say he's lost that chip, but there's certainly added pressure. And I do think it's it's worth noting, I'm looking here on Money Puck, and he has five five-on-five five goals this year, right? His, his goals above expected is 10. So he's essentially should... Puck luck is absolutely He's due a for positive regression. He's due for positive regression for sure. And we kind of said it last year too when he scored 41. We were looking at right. these same numbers and he was like, he was way above what the... And all great scores are uh, like Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, McKinnon, McDavid. All those guys are at the top of the league and uh, the expected versus how many... that Because they just find ways to score. But maybe it's a good thing that Dabrinkit is going through this right now because... He got rewarded with his contract, and his contract kicks in next season. So that's when you know we we saw it with Brandon Saad uh, two years ago or, or whenever it was, where he was just he had only he scored only eighteen goals in his first year back, and he had all all the the underlying analytics were saying he was going to have a bounce back year, and he did. So maybe it's a, it's probably a good thing that Debrink is going through this now um, as opposed to next year when I'm sure I'm sure they they want to as a team take that next step. The other, the other guys, I guess that you know, when you talk about most to play for, Kirby Doc and Adam Boakvist obviously aren't going anywhere. But you want to see them finish the season strong. For rookies, the biggest adjustment obviously is the pace of the game in the NHL, which I think at this point Boakvist and Doc have kind of gotten accustomed to. You want to see them producing more consistently and it's not you know we've had this discussion with doc it's not necessarily if the points aren't there that he's not playing well if you're still generating chances which he's been doing um Boakvist has had a little bit tougher go especially of late um but those two guys you want to see them finish strong over the last five weeks and and cement themselves as guys you're going to count on in a bigger role even next year yeah, I think you want to see them finish strong too because those were the rookies everyone was looking at. And then you have Dominic Kubalik, you know, fairly a few years older, uh, but you really just run away as the top rookie on the Hawks. And we'll see maybe the maybe the whole league when all is said and done. And I'm very anxious to see what Kubalik's going to get after this season. I mean, he's just going to keep adding to his points and really really command probably a good payday for him. This is a very important summer for both Kirby Doc and Adam Boquist because. Last year, Kirby Doc went from his WHL playoffs, right? Gets drafted by the Blackhawks, and then is immediately, you know, he, uh, I think he attended some sort of tournament. There was a, it was a summer showcase in Michigan yes. for Team Canada World Juniors, yeah. Yes, so he attended that, went to Blackhawks development camp, you know, Blackhawks training camp. Like, he never really had an opportunity to mentally unwind and get ready both mentally and physically for an upcoming 82 game NHL season which we didn't know if he was going to be a part of the entire season so mind you he had a concussion that he had had to deal with too late in in camp yeah and same with and same with Adam Boquist two years ago like he gets drafted he then he goes to London he plays a long seat whatever so this is really going to be the first summer where these guys can unplug for the first month or however many 
you know, get away from the game of hockey, come back, have a really strong uh, off-season workout, get prepared mentally and physically. Because, boy, oh boy, we talk about guys that are coming from college or juniors and how long an NHL season is. Not only that, is they are playing against men while doing so, not just game. Like, these are hard minutes. So... This is a very important offseason for both Kirby Doc and Adam Boquist to get as far away from the game as possible, but also come back and prepare uh, the way that I'm sure they would would have loved to the, the first summer around going into their rookie season. Yeah, and for any fans who want to say, you know, those guys, they, they didn't have great rookie seasons. Look at Connor McDavid. There's not many Connor McDavids. <laughs> yeah. you're, in the NHL, when you're a rookie, you're usually a rookie and you're figuring things out. And those guys are both tossed in a lot of, like, key situations. You look at Boquist, um, you know, kind of – Leading up to maybe the decision to trade Gustafson, quarterback in the power play, they know he's going to be doing that in the future. He got a lot of valuable reps there. You know whether he handled it the right way or not, or or is learning as as he should be. That was huge for his experience. Doc, I mean, you know, learning how to use his stride and his reach and in the corner battling, um, playing and playing all throughout the lineup. I thought it was really good for him and his resume and his uh, confidence moving forward. And, and like Charlie talked about. In terms of like strength and conditioning, you know, with Paul Goodman, the Hawks are so on top of things. They're going to unplug for a little bit, and then they're going to get right back in, getting prepped and, and getting bigger and stronger. And we've seen a lot of the younger players on the Blackhawks of late stay in Chicago over the summer and train with Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves. Dubrinka did it. Strom's done it. Uh, I think Gizmo asked uh, Kirby during the open skate if he was going to stay and I think we expect him to go back to Saskatchewan but I wouldn't be surprised if him or Bokovic stay in Chicago and, and, and work out as much as they can and be, stay around the team as much as they can. Yeah and yeah you, you mentioned earlier I, I forgot they, they even had to start preparing earlier for the Traverse City tournament which right. Was right right before training camp so yeah I, I know I don't know how they did it like I'm sure they they were going into training camp already like wait we haven't even had our, our off summer yet like so <laughs> Yeah, very very crucial off season for them. I'm sure they're happy to get away from the game as as long as possible, and then come back with it with the right attitude and mentally be in a good place. Last thing I've got for both you guys: we we know Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr are going to be the two shoe ins in the Calder uh, voting. Kubalik right now looks to be the favorite to to finish third, so to speak, which stinks for him because he's having a great year. What would he need to do over the final 17 games to really get a sniff at winning this trophy? Well, I think Charlie and I talked about this on a podcast. You were in Arizona, I think, and you called in. And um, for me, I, just the way he was finding back in the net, I, we talked about, I asked Charlie, like, if he just keeps scoring goals, like, let's say he doesn't have, let's say he finishes five points shy of the lead. Well, he has 10 more goals than the, than the other guy. I mean, like, yeah, but at one point, he's being a valuable though. scorer. You know, yeah, true. I think he's got to get close to forty to really get the. Well, he could obviously. Like, yeah, he would need eleven in seventeen games, which on he his just pace, had eighteen in uh, twenty-two or twenty-three. He's been, and, uh, he's been hot. Yeah, I so think he could. I I I was a first-time voter last year, so I I at the end of the season I like put in a lot of humble effort brag. to make sure. <laughs> well, you, you take these things seriously because you want to make sure that you're doing your due diligence around the league, and so. Like, I, I to be honest with you, I, I thought Kill McCarr was really the runaway favorite. Quinn Hughes is making a yeah. real strong push here at the end, but you know if if Dominic Kubalik, like let's just say hypothetically he scores forty, like when's the last time a rookie scored forty goals in, in an NHL season and didn't win the Calder? And I'm not saying if he scores forty he should win it. I'm just saying that is going to be that that's an indictment of the the rookie seasons that Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes are having. And also have to point out. 
I wonder how much it's going to sway the voting, the fact that Dominic Kubelik is 24 years old. So he's not your right. traditional rookie guy scoring 40 goals as an 18-year-old or... And it didn't the fact prevent that, Artemi Panarin. Yeah, though. but to, to <laughs> and, Charlie's point, a lot of people are unhappy about that, and I yeah, think the NHL mm-hmm, is true. even trying. Aren't they even trying to like make that a rule? There's a there's a cutoff age now. Yeah, I'm not sure. And and the fact it doesn't help the fact that Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes are also number one and two in, in rookie points as defensemen. Exactly. You know, yeah. that's the. It's just they're playing unbelievable. And the that's how the league minutes. is now, though, right? You have a lot of puck moving defensemen who can score. I also think yeah. that's just kind of where the league is. But just think of like, just think of Adam Boquist this year, like leading the team in minutes, playing, you know, averaging more than twenty minutes a game, playing power play, playing pe- like being and, the and driving force. Yeah, it's a crazy game, yeah. adjustment. For I mean, defensemen. that's fair. It's going to be really, and even if Kubelik does score forty, I know that's a really like that's eleven goals in his final seventeen games. So that's that's a really tough ask. But just hypothetically, I'm trying to think of. When the last time a rookie scored forty and potentially could finish third, not right. not just win it, but right. finish third is just it's crazy to me. Much like the Blackhawks and and the six points out, Kubalik's got a long way to go if he wants to yeah. to really kind of cement those call their first it, place votes. It doesn't diminish the fact what his season has been. Like Jeremy Colleton said it um, said it today. Like we probably didn't pencil him in for thirty. Like no, no chance. Like there's no way. Are you surprised so. that he admitted? That he probably should have had Kubalik on the top power play unit earlier, and then he probably should have experimented with Kane on the other side earlier. I think it was cool to hear him say that. Like, I, I think it was, I, you know, some some fans I saw maybe the reaction was a little bit negative. Like, yeah, it took you long and things like that. And I thought it was cool to see a coach admit. And you know, he also did throw in the fact that it, it we didn't have as we didn't have a lot of success that everyone could get on board with it. So. I'm sure they wanted to experiment with that earlier. I'm sure the coaching staff discussed it, wanting to put Patrick Kane on on the left faceoff circle. And but you know, as as I wrote um, that day, it's difficult when you take Kane out of his usual spot, the right faceoff circle. Then you're also you move Kane to the left faceoff circle. Well, now you're moving removing Alex DeBrinket from his usual spot. So now you have two of your best your two best power play um, guys are playing in an uncomfortable position. So I'm sure it was hard for them to fully embrace. Yeah, I thought it was cool that he admitted it. Like, smart, part of being a smart coach, and I think Carlton is a smart coach, is admitting when you made a mistake and kind of zeroing in on that and figuring out what you could have done better. And, and that's what he's going to do with this. Good stuff, boys. Any any Thank good you. checkpoint, Charlies? Any adventures you had in Sunrise? Oh wow, um, you're a beachgoer. Yeah, you know what? I I went to the I went to the beach on Friday. I, I got took. We a almost went to the beach here in Chicago over the weekend too. <laughs> I heard. <laughs> what, what was that about? Like, I well, you left, so we we're like, all right, screw that guy. Let's yeah. get some nice weather over here. <laughs> but. It was cool. Like it was nice to to, you know. I will say, the the trip, the uh, Dallas St. Louis trip was was absolutely was crazy. Especially trade deadline day where, like, I think I had a, a I had to wake up at like four thirty in the morning to catch like a six a.m. flight, and like that whole day was was crazy. So, not really um, many adventurous uh, checkpoint Charlies, I guess. <laughs> but it was uh, it's been a uh, it's been it's been a long i guess couple weeks you did a hell of a job out there in uh in st louis on monday trade deadline day you were a busy man thanks it was a big blur to me was there a platform you weren't on that day like uh, did you do tiktoks too you were probably you covered everything yeah, right you know I, myspace I live yeah myspace live is that a thing <laughs> you started up a new blog exist? i don't know i don't know you'd be in my top eight if, if it was charlie uh, for Charlie, for Scott King, I'm Slavko Bekovic. If you like this podcast, of course, please give us a five-star rating. Let us know what you liked and 
how we can uh, better serve you in the future. And go back and listen to our other podcasts because they're really awesome too. So for Charlie, for Scott, I'm Slavko. Thank you for listening to the Blackhawks Talk Podcast. We'll see you later this week.